We're going to go to the book of Isaiah this morning, if you will. Isaiah chapter 38. The book of Isaiah in chapter 38. We're going to read some in chapter 38, then we're going to read a little in chapter 39 also. Isaiah chapter 38. We're doing good here. Isaiah 38. Look at verse number 1. Isaiah 38 verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add to unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he hath spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees, which is gone down in the sundial of Ahaz, ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees, by which degrees it was gone down. Now, chapter 39, in verse number 1. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the houses of his armor and, uh, uh, I'm sorry, all, all, the, all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures there was nothing in his house, nor in all his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto King Hezekiah, and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. Then said he, What have they seen in thy house? And Hezekiah answered, All that is in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have, have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. 
We see there in the beginning of verse, uh, chapter number 39 that uh, this, this uh, uh, king sent presents to Hezekiah. Um, those didn't come by mail. He sent servants to deliver these things. And that's why it said, and Hezekiah was glad of them. The presents showed them. Whoever came uh, there from, from, from Babylon showed them everything that he had, invited them into his house. And took them on a tour and showed them everything that he had. And then Isaiah came to him and said that there's going to come a time that everything is going to be carried away to Babylon. Now, this is really an amazing thing because as we look at it, uh, Babylon during this time, when he's there speaking this, when Isaiah is telling this, Babylon wasn't a, it wasn't a, a, it, it wasn't a strong nation. It was not... It was pretty much a weak, small, small place. But let God be true and every man a liar. Because when it came to pass, it came to pass. Just the way that God had said. It's good for us to take God at his word. And it's good for us to be on guard. And that's what I titled this message today. Guard your home. Guard your home. And I want to try to expound on that some. You pray with me while we pray and we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we bow before you right now because we need you right now more than we need anything else. We need your help. We need your presence. We need your power. We need that unction that only you can give. Clarity of mind and speech and boldness of the Holy Ghost to preach this message just the way that it's laid out before us. Lord, that you would uh, certainly open up the minds, the hearts, the ears of the listeners. And Lord, that you would help us today with your word. Uh, Father, we need, we need you. We need you to do what we can't. And again, Lord, if there's someone here without Christ, speak to them. Draw them to yourself. Bring them to that place of salvation as only you can. We trust you're going to do these things. We ask you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. Hezekiah was a king of Judah. And he assumed uh, the throne upon the death of his father Ahaz, King Ahaz. And Hezekiah's mother's name was, was Abby. In 2 Kings chapter 18, and verse number 3, it tells us that Hezekiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He was a good king. He stopped all the heathen idol worship that was going on when he took over the kingdom. Um, he even destroyed Nehushtan. Oh, what's, what's that all about? Well, that brazen serpent, remember, that Moses had created in the wilderness um, they had gotten to a place where they were worshiping that. In fact, the Israelites carried that serpent with them for 726 years, and they burned incense to it. I mean, it had become an idol to them, and so they were burning incense to this thing. Hezekiah took over, and he destroyed that. That had to ruffle some feathers. Come on, that had to make some people upset. Amen. But they, no, 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 it became more important. We're not to worship anything but God. Just God and God only. Anyway, we learn more of Hezekiah's character and his spirituality in Second Kings uh, chapter number 
18. And we learn that he was the most godly and righteous king of Judah of all times. In Isaiah 38 and 39, we find some characteristics that not only label Hezekiah as a great king, but also as a good father, a good father. Uh, very apparently, he was a father of faith. Verse number two there in, in chapter 38 says, Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. Now, in verse number one, Isaiah, the prophet, had come to him and told him he was going to die. And no doubt that struck fear into the heart of Hezekiah. But he had faith. He had faith in God. So what did he do? He prayed. He prayed and he asked God to lengthen his life. And when he prayed and talked to God and asked him to lengthen his life, God did. So evidently, Hezekiah knew God personally. No, he had a good relationship with God. He had spent time talking to God before this happened. I wonder how many fathers there are today who have faith like Hezekiah. And I'm sure there's even men in here in this place this morning who could get in touch with God as Hezekiah did. I know we have some men of real faith. I know we have men that lead their families in a godly way. And I know we have men that want to serve God completely. And I know that we have men that are doing their best to raise their children in a nurture and admonition of the Lord. But there are plenty out there in the world, aren't there, that are opposite of that. Men that don't seem to care about their family's spiritual condition whatsoever. Men whose only goal in life is to make money and just do their own thing. I mean, men that are more concerned about their children being popular than they are about their children being godly. Men that never take time to earnestly pray for their family, over their family. We need fathers like, like Joshua. Joshua in, in Joshua 24, 15, the Bible says, And if it seem evil, Joshua said, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods little g, which, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods, little g, of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. We need more fathers like that, that are determined that their house is going to serve the Lord. We need fathers who have the intestinal fortitude to say it may not be popular, it may not be a popular thing to do, but our house is going to serve God. Amen. We need more fathers that are going to be the spiritual leaders of their home. Absolutely so. But we know he was a father who prayed. Says there in verse number two, then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. Now we know this, Hezekiah was sick. He was on his deathbed. Isaiah came in and told him, uh, it's not looking good. You're going to die. And Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and he prayed to God. Now, as he turned his face to the wall, I, I would have to say that that gave him privacy. That was his way of entering into the closet. I mean, he was sick. They're on his deathbed, couldn't get up, go, turned his face to the wall, said, I don't need to talk to anybody else at this point except God. I need to be in touch with God. I need for God to hear what I have to say. And when he did, when he began to pray, he reminded God of some of the things of the past. He reminded God of his dedication to God. And he reminded God of his uh, uh, maturity in the work of God. But it also says this, that he, he wept sorely, or that he greatly wept. 
And uh, I, I think because of his heart for God, because he had lived for God, because certainly before this very time he had spent time talking with God, that God heard his prayer and added 15 years to his life. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, we have lost, no, 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 we have, we have, lost, uh, the, uh, we have lost the real value of prayer. We don't see it the way that we should see it anymore. I'm telling you that there is a God in heaven. He is all-powerful. He wants us to spend time with Him on a regular basis. And He is up there and He is ready and willing and able to answer our prayers if we would just spend time with Him. He wants us to spend time with Him. You might say, well, what's our example here? Well, I think that we can pull out that Hezekiah was regular in prayer. I mean, God doesn't answer an occasional prayer or or hit and miss prayer like he did that one. Uh, Prayer must be a way of life. I mean, prayer doesn't need to be a a means of escape from some immediate danger or or just something we do in an emergency or or something we do when we get in a jam that we've gotten ourselves into. No, I'm saying that 10 minutes of prayer a week is not sufficient. And you dads that are in here this morning, you better pray for your home. You better pray for your family because the devil wants to destroy it. The devil wants to destroy them. The devil wants your children. I'll say that again. The devil wants your children and he'll do everything he can to keep them in his grasp. You better be praying. A praying father can turn many problems into blessings. When, when, when you are compassed about with the satanic pressure, you'll need to pray and you'll need to pray in a hurry. When, no, 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 no. You'll, you'll have to be able to get in touch with God at that time. There may not be time. Are you listening to me? There may not be time trying to get, uh, time to spend trying to get right with God. What you need to do is you need to get right with God now and then stay right with God. So that if you need to pray, if you need to lift your children up to the Lord, if you need to raise your family up to the Lord, that you're going to be in touch with God immediately. I'm telling you, we need more men that will pray. But we have to believe that he was a father that walked with God. Verse number three says, uh, uh, and, and said, remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee as he prayed, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. So here's a man, he was informed that death was about to, uh, to, to take him, and he reminded God of their walk together. I like it. No, that he could remind God, Lord, I've been walking with you. I, I, I've been there with you every day. We spend time together. Okay, I, 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 it's a good. It's, it, it could it could very well be that most men would not want to remind God of their walk. They, they they wouldn't want to do that. The book of Amos in chapter three and verse number three says, "Can two walk together except they be agreed?" Uh, no. And I'm telling you, if we think, please listen to me, if we think that we can just go off and live our life any way we want to, I mean, not even taking into account of what God would have us to do, and everything's going to be hunky-dory, everything's going to be okie-dokie, everything's going to be just fine, and if we need God, you know, we'll run to Him and we'll get some help. We're just fooling ourselves. No, 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 no. You can't walk with God unless you agree with God. 
You, you can't walk with God. No, no, are you listening to me? You can't walk with God and just live your life any way you want to live your life. Do whatever you want to do. Ignore Him. It doesn't work that way. Oh, no, no, I know. No, no, you can find churches that'll tell you you can. But I'd rather just say what the Bible has to say about that. And I'm telling you, no, no, we, we need men. We need strong men. We need strong dads. We need, we need men that are going to walk with God. We need men that, that, have a real, that have a real relationship with God. We, we need men that are going to agree with God. And they're going to see themselves the way that God sees them. And they're going to work at submitting themselves to God and submitting themselves to the Word of God and, and being the man that God would have them to be. For God and man to walk together, man must agree. Listen to me. Man must agree with God, not God agree with man. We need to agree with Him. First and foremost, man has to keep an appointment with God. And that appointment is none other than a meeting, of, uh, meeting, meeting the Lord at Calvary. Knowing for sure you've been saved by the grace of God. Knowing for sure that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I'm glad I have a wonderful Heavenly Father. I'm glad I can call Him my Heavenly Father because I've been adopted in the family by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that God sent His only begotten Son. To die for the sin of mankind. And that he was willing to come and shed his blood and die on the cross. That he laid in that tomb for three days. But he rose from the dead after that time. I'm thankful that he ascended to the Father. I'm thankful that I know that he's sitting at the right hand of God. I'm thankful that, that when a sinner will truly admit that they need what God has to offer. And they will turn to God in repentance and trust the Lord Jesus Christ by faith that God saves their soul just like that. Yeah. It's not a religious thing to do. It's, uh, it's going into a relationship. And I'm thankful I have a relationship with God. It's not just something religious that I do. It's that I know Him and I can call Him Father, Abba, Papa. He is there. He is there. And I can walk with Him and I can talk with Him. And He is there for me and He answers prayer. And, and He guides me and He keeps me and He helps me and He picks me up when I fall down. I'm so very thankful that I know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have to ask this morning, have you been to the cross? Do you know for sure that you know Christ as your personal Savior? No, it's the most important decision you'll ever make in this life. You have to know Him if you're going to walk with Him. You can't, just, you can't just have some religious, religious relationship. So, so let's think about what Hezekiah, what did Hezekiah's walk consist of? Well, he walked in truth. It says there and said, remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee how I have walked before thee in truth. He walked in truth. <clears throat> it doesn't do any good to live a lie. It doesn't do any good to put on a facade and try to act like everything's okay. I think too many today are living a lie. Well, tomorrow I'm going to live for God. Or, you know, tomorrow I'll start giving the way that I'm supposed to give. Tomorrow, tomorrow I'll start, I'll lead my family. Tomorrow I'm going to start witnessing for the Lord. Tomorrow I'm going to take care of all that tomorrow. I'm going to do it. I, no, 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 I will, but I'm going to do that tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. 
If you keep waiting until tomorrow, you'll never do anything. It says that he walked with a perfect heart. And perfect could apply in several different ways. He had a right spiritual attitude. He recognized God for who he is. But also complete, mature. He prepared himself spiritually. No, he spent time with God. Apparently spent time in the Word. Knew what God wanted from him. He walked with a perfect heart. No, no, it wasn't a divided heart. Stay with me here. It wasn't a divided heart. He didn't want to do his own thing and walk with God too. He wanted to do what God would have him to do. And he said, I've done that which was good. Doing good, doing right. And it's always right to do right. Uh, Bob Jones Sr. said, do right till the stars fall. Just do right. He also said it's never right to do wrong to do right. Just do right in the sight of God. But we have to think about this too. Very apparently he was a father who loved the word of God. Look in chapter 39 verse number 8. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, moreover, for thou sh- there shall be peace and truth in my days. Um, Hezekiah placed his confidence in the word of God. Good is the word of the Lord. Now get this. I want you to get this. Because too many times, if we don't hear good news, we're not going to be confident in what God can do. But Isaiah had just told him of God's punishment and judgment coming. No, in verse number 6 there. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And, and listen to this. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou, hast, uh, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And Hezekiah said, good is the word of the Lord. That's confidence. That's faith in the word of God. This meant that he was accepting the word of God as his final authority. You know, there's a lot of times that I don't know what God's doing. But I know that He knows what He's doing. And I just have to rest in that. What a blessing. What a blessing it would be if every father here would accept the Word of God as their final authority. What a blessing it would be if every political leader in our country would accept the Word of God as their final authority. And it really doesn't make any difference whether or not you believe God's Word. It's still the final authority. By accepting God's Word, you have a much greater relationship with God. We're trusting Him, what He has to say. By doing that, God doesn't have to... By doing that, life is easier. Just trusting God. Walking with Him. 
walking in His Word. Follow God's Word and give. Follow God's Word and witness. Follow God's Word and lead your family. Follow God's Word and be holy. Just follow God's Word. I've said many a time, if, if, if everybody in the church would just read this and obey it, man, it'd make my job a lot easier. Because it's all right here. He's trying to direct us. But, but then I, I want to I I point this out. Because although Hezekiah was a good king and apparently had a walk with God, he made a, he made a bad mistake. What's that, preacher? He opened his house to the wrong people. Chapter 39, verse 1. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them. Brought them into the house. And showed him in the house his precious things, the silver, the gold, the spices, precious ointment, all the house of his armor, all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house, the Bible says, nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Now we have to, we have to understand something here. They were men from a heathen nation. They cared nothing about God at all. And they ended up taking away all his precious items. Everything. Verse number 6, Behold, the, day, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. So all that he had, his silver, his gold, his armor, his protection, his security, the precious ointment, all of his treasure. But also they took his children. Verse number 7, And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away. And they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. They were going to take away his sons. And it says that they're going to be eunuchs in the palace of Babylon. I don't know how else to say that this, but just plainly say it. The wrong associations can lead your children in a way that they were never meant to go. And if you're not guarding your children from wrong associations, you should. Oh, I don't mind. I'll say that again. If you're not guarding your children from wrong associations, you should. Oh, what, preacher? You, you just think I'm supposed to choose my kids' friends? Yes. Well, that went over real well. Yes, yes, I do. I do. Because you're supposed to be their parent. You're supposed to guard them. You're supposed to protect them. 
your duty according to Deuteronomy chapter 6 is to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To show them the way that they're supposed to live with God. And to guard them from the associations that uh, could corrupt them. Because it's still in the Bible. Even communications, evil communications corrupt good manners. And that's not just a verse. That's the truth. Men don't like this today. But it really is a fact that, that men... That, that men are supposed to be the spiritual leader of the family for sure. But they have a lot of duty, according to God, in the raising of the children. No, the fathers do. The men do. According to God, they are supposed to have a big part in raising children and training children and being there for their children. Protecting their children, guiding their children, praying over their children, praying with their children, being there for their children. Well, a little lady does that. Well, why would you want to relinquish your God-given authority to your wife when God is the one that gave that to you? See, when we open, when you open your house to the world's culture, you need to expect a loss. I never dreamed there would be a day that we would have to guard that we would have that we would have to guard our children from certain cartoons, but we're there. We're there. And it just gets worse from there as they get older. Hezekiah allowed that worldly crowd into his house. And they ruined his home. They ruined his family. And that's going to happen to any home that does the same. Because when we fail to take a stand against a godless system that lurks outside of our home then we're opening up our home to the perversions of the society. And this society is very perverted, if you haven't noticed. And that's getting worse and worse and worse. The old devil, he wants to take over your home. He wants to take over your family. And, and he will and can enter in through the slightest entry. Ephesians chapter 4 says, Neither give place to the devil. We have to be very careful today. We've been conditioned by the television set and movies and such. We've been conditioned, if we're not careful, to laugh at sin. Oh, what do you think I'm supposed to do? Just guard everything? Yes. Yes. Well, you know, if I do that, then my kids won't be like all the other kids. Hallelujah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Guarding our children from the ways of this world. <clears throat> well, you know, then they'll just be weird. Oh, no, no, no. You're looking at the wrong way. It's the other ones that are weird. He'll enter through the TV. 
He'll enter through wrong reading material. He definitely enters through music. It's a big one. The music you choose is not a small thing. It's a very large thing that could sway the hearts of everybody in the house. Anyway, Hezekiah didn't take a stand that he should have. And in the end of it all, it brought nothing but heartache and pain. Isn't it crazy? The world says that the child should be able to decide for themselves whether they want to drink beer or smoke dope or have illicit sex. I, I, I say just the opposite. I say that, that we had better be leading our kids in God's way. We better be talking to them. We better be explaining to them. We better be helping them to love God with all of their heart and mind and soul. We better be helping them to be who God wants them to be. And even about their friends. The friends of your young people, the friends of your children, are they helping or hurting? The friends of, of, of your sons or your daughters, do they listen to the worldly music? No, I'm telling you, we have to be conscious of all that's going on in our children's life. We have to do that so we can take a right stand. We have to take a right stand. <clears throat> Good grief, I come on Father's Day, I expect a little up, up, you know, encouraging message, a little Father's Day message and everything, and you know, something warm and fuzzy and make me feel good. I'm just not good at that. It's just not, I'm just not good at that. I, I tell you, I read that book and, and I see the bad... I see the bad that relates to our day and it's just like mercy sakes alive. The world's always been the same. And we need to guard against it. Well, preacher, I'm a Christian. Well, then act like a Christian. No, I mean, live your life like a Christian. Raise your children as Christian. Have a Christian home. Take a Christian stand. Come on, if you're coming to church just to soothe your conscience, you're... Okay, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to be nice. Church is a place we come to meet with God with great hopes that He'll speak to our heart. And if He speaks to heart, our heart about things like this and we're not lining up with the Word of God, guess what? Guess what? It's not God that needs to change. It's us. Well, you just think i got to do everything you say? Heavens to Betsy. No, not at all. Not even. No, 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 no. But we shouldn't ignore this. Hezekiah was righteous. He was godly. We saw that. But he made a mistake and he opened his house to the wrong things. And he lost everything that was precious to him. And it's a really sad story. Because his son Manasseh reigned after him. And he was a very wicked king. His son. 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 1 says this, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Hephzibah, 
And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. On down to verse number six, six, it says, And he made his sons pass through the fire and observed times and used in enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Now, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I'm right it done. I'm right it done, believe it or not. I'm right it done. Hezekiah was a good king. He was not only a good king, he was a righteous man, he was a godly man. I mean, he prayed, God answered his prayer. Uh, he cleared out everything that was wrong when he took over the kingdom. He was a righteous man, a godly man. And the time came that he made a mistake. Well, a little bit of that is not going to hurt. The time came that he made a mistake. And he let some things in that shouldn't have been in. Well, preacher, how are they ever going to learn if they don't go out there? And it, Well, they're supposed to learn by you sitting down with them and telling them exactly the way that God would have them to do things. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to learn by your good example, you following them, not allowing things like that to come into their life. That's the way they're supposed to learn. He made a mistake. And guess what? No, 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 no. Listen, listen. I'm right done. Guess what? Through all of his godly living, the mistake that he made had more influence on his children than the godly life he lived. What's that supposed to tell me? It's supposed to tell us that we need to be on guard. That we can't be accepting of a little sin. That we have to make sure that everything we're doing is guarding ourselves and our children against the things of this world. Because they can influence greatly, can't they? Have you ever watched little children out about around town? I'm talking little kids. Little kids. Their parents apparently don't know the Lord or whatever. I'm not trying to be judgmental when I say that, but they're out and about, whether at a restaurant or whatever the place, and some rock and roll song comes on or whatever kind of music is out there today comes on and the boys and little kids, they just start gyrating and dancing and I mean, they're already learning. No, no, no. They're already learning the ways of the world even before they ever get old enough to understand the ways of the world. I'm telling you, dads, we have a big job. Moms, we have a big job. We have to not only guard our children, but we need to teach our children to love God. And the only way that we're going to do that is to love God. I just, it was just, just what a sad way for a home to end. As fathers, 
we really need to be walking with God. We really need to be doing all those things that are right in His sight. But we'd better be guarding our houses with all diligence. Because if the wrong things are let in, they could destroy the future of your children. Oh, there's so many things I could go with here. If you don't monitor your child's phone, you should. If you don't monitor your child's computer, you should. If you don't monitor your child's tablet, you should. If you don't monitor, if you don't monitor your child, you should. Well, my kids, they would never do anything like that. Oh, come on, really, you're not. Come on. I mean, like, you would never do like anything like that when you were a kid, would you? Okay, I've lost you. Is it worth the fight? Is it worth all the effort? I would have to say a very emphatic yes. You know, God saved me out of a, I was, God saved me at the age of 27 out of a life of drug and alcohol addiction. I'll leave after service today and head to Colorado, throw my boots in my truck, head to Colorado. This week I'll be preaching to the teens out there at Silver State Baptist Youth Camp all week long. I covet your prayers and all that because I, I love to preach to young people. But my heart's desire is that they will allow God to do work in their life this week so that they don't end up like I did. Uh, well, preacher, you made it through. Most people don't. Most people don't. Well, preacher, you got quite the testimony. God saved you at the age of 27, pulled you out of all of that, you know, called you to preach, and now you're a pastor and all that stuff. Look, 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 look. I'd rather my testimony be, I'd rather my testimony be, I never smoked, I never drank, I never went. To, I, no, no, I'd rather my testimony be, I've loved God since I was a very small child and never got into any bad sin. And, and ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what she, we should want for our children. But it's not going to just happen because you bring them to church every once in a while. It's going to take work. Happy Father's Day. Absolutely so. I'm all for it. I'm going to give you a gift here in a minute. Hopefully it'll cheer you up after all this. But the very best gift that you could give to your children is to love God with all of your heart and teach them to do the same. Guard your house from things that shouldn't be in there. Get it all out. You know why a lot of people won't do that? They enjoy it too much. And so their children have to endure it because mom and dad enjoy it too much. Okay, okay, I've closed my Bible. I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. Boy, wouldn't it be a great thing to see dads just decide they're going to love God with all their heart and train up their children in the way they should go, clear out their house from anything 
Well, preacher, if I try to do that, you know, my wife, she's going to get real upset. Oh, mercy me, don't let me start another message. Be the head of your home. Be the spiritual leader. I'm not talking about being a Tarzan and me. No, I'm not. Be the spiritual leader. Do right in the sight of God. It'll be a fight, but you'll be glad you did. I guarantee you, you will. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for being so patient. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed for just a minute. No one looking around in respect of the Lord. I appreciate your attention. I appreciate your patience today. Thank you so much for that. Could be that there's someone in here would say, Preacher, I'm not even sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure that I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior. Would you please pray for me? Boy, I'd like to do that. You're here like that this morning. Would you, would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at? Just slip your hand up. Yeah, Preacher, that's me. I'm not sure that I'm even saved. God bless you, sir. Thank you very much for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you. Others? Yeah, preacher, that's me. I'm just not even sure that I'm saved by the grace of God. Would you please pray for me? I want to. I definitely want to. I'd love to do that. Others, before we move on. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Say, preacher, I I tell you, I should have raised my hand because I'm really not sure that I've ever trusted Christ as my Savior. I should have raised my hand. When you pray for these others, will you pray for me? Man, I'd like to do that for you. Come on, I'm not going to point you out. I'm I'm not going to try to drag you down an aisle. I just want to pray for you. Men and women alike, boys and girls. Preach, I'm just not sure. Anybody else before we move on? Anyone? Could be that uh, there's a dad or a mom sitting here this morning that would say I needed that encouragement I needed to think about those things and I need to make some changes whether big or small I need to make some changes and pastor would you please just pray with me that I'll do what God what God wants me to do about this I want to pray with you like that would you slip up your hand wherever you're at our heads are bowed our eyes are closed Right there, God bless your heart. God bless your honesty. Honesty. Others, preacher, that's me. There's some needs in my life I need to take care of. There's some things in my life I need to take care of. Right there, God bless you and you and you over here. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you so much. I don't mean to embarrass anybody. I truly want to pray for you about these things. I want to pray for you. Let's all stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their Savior. Only you can save them. But we would love an opportunity to show them how that can, how that can happen. And so, Lord, I pray that they would even come this morning. Let us take a Bible. Take them aside. Show them how to have that settled. Most important decision we'll ever make in our life. And then, Lord, I pray for others in here. You've spoken to hearts. There's needs. You've dealt with people. Decisions need to be made for you. Decisions need to be made for them and their home and their children. That they'd be the spiritual leaders they're supposed to be. That they'll be the parent that they're supposed to be. That they'll take care of things in their home. 
to guard their children. Lord, whatever needs to happen, I pray as we open the altars that folks would just come, that you'd have your perfect will and way done. We'll thank you for whatever you do. For we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Some have made their way to the altar. You need to come this morning. Would you come? You don't know Christ is your Savior. If you'll step out and come. Uh, sir, we've got, a, we've got a man that would gladly take a Bible, take you aside, show you how you can have that settled. Ma'am, we have a lady that would be happy to take you and show you out of the Bible how you can know for sure that Christ is your Savior. Dad, is your home everything it needs to be? Are there some things that need to take place? <clears throat> Why don't you make some decisions today to make some changes today that will help your children? Folks are praying. There's still time. Would you come?